Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 2,382. Be prepared to be inspired. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah! Today I'm in Harvey, Louisiana, with a very special guest by the name of Pete Vicari. Pete, welcome to Cars Yeah! Do you have any gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Good to have. Be good to be with you. Well, thank you. Thank you. Uh, great fun to be down in the South. Uh, now, before I introduce you and we dive into uh, a wonderful world you've created for yourself with your passion for cars, what's one little thing that maybe people don't know about you, Pete? Well, a, a lot of people just, they may know me by the auction world, so to speak. Mm-hmm. We are general contractors by trade, so we do a lot of commercial uh, municipality and high-rise work and cars have just been a real passion to me you know when I buy my first car when I was 12 years old and from there it grew into another business and here we are today 30 years later in the auction business and it's been very successful. Wow you are one busy guy it sounds like. Yes I wear I wear a bunch of hats I yeah mean, really real estate construction auctions um, we just recently sold all the Dairy Queens. We used to have 10 DQ grilling shows. Oh, my God. Wow. Well, uh, mm-hmm. man, I've got a true entrepreneur here on the line, so we'll have some fun. But today we're going to focus on your passion for cars. So let me give you a proper introduction. Pete Vicari is the president of Vicari Auctions, where they conduct numerous auctions across the southern USA. His pastime hobby and a passion for Corvettes has grown into a successful auction business that offers hundreds of cars at each event. Pete bought and sold over 500 collector cars over the years. Vicari Auctions is the longest running event in the Biloxi, Mississippi area that takes place yearly during Cruising the Coast event that's been voted best car show in the nation by USA Today. With six events annually, he'll be offering hundreds of collector cars to choose from, and all of the events are filmed for the Vicari Collector Car Auction TV shows. This is one busy guy, so buckle up. We're coming back in just a moment. Get your bid card ready, because you never know what you might find at an auction, and we'll be right back. Years ago, when it was time to renew my collector car insurance policy, my carrier's rates went up, way up, but my usage was the same and I never made a claim. I didn't even have a ticket. So what's with that? So I turned to American Collectors Insurance. Has your collector car insurance recently raised your rates for no good reason? Tired of paying an annual membership fee? Then it's time to look around and call American Collectors Insurance. I shopped around, I asked friends for recommendations and found a winner that I can trust. And boy, I'm glad I did. I saved hundreds of dollars every year and slept better at night knowing my baby was properly insured. American Collectors Insurance have been protecting vehicles since 1976. They provided me with an agreed value insurance policy backed by their history of taking great care of their clients. What could be better than that? So give them a call and ask for a quote today. 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866-224-9324. And protect the ones you love like I did with American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. For several years now, you've heard me talk about Linkage Magazine. I've been a subscriber since the start. They're talented 
and creative team brings you a spectacular publication and website that shares the automotive passion from a worldwide perspective. Linkages about driving, restoring, collecting, and firsthand experience at collector car auctions and more. They bring you real-world values plus rational, experienced opinions on the current markets. They cover the automotive world and the people who share our passions. And Linkage Magazine has grown, mailing you six issues annually. Join me on this journey with Linkage. They're geared for the automotive life. You can subscribe at LinkageMag.com. So, Vic... My goodness, I'm trying to figure out how you have enough time in your day to do everything. But what's really cool about what you've done is you've taken a passion for cars that's been lifelong and you've created yet another business out of this with your auctions. So kind of take us back a little bit on a ride of at what point in time do you decide, you know, on top of all my other businesses, I think I'll start a little thing called an auction. That shouldn't take much time, right? And then uh, bring us up to date on what you're doing these days. And I mentioned um, you do multiple auctions every year so you are all over the place you know I, like you said i've sold you know, i've had 500 cars in my own collection i've sold thousands through oh man i can't hundreds of thousands in the auction business but we're now today we're we're kind of drawing back in and we're only going to do auctions in biloxi mississippi spring and fall mm-hmm. but when i started all of this uh going back from the beginning I had two very good close friends that were the Cruz International way back in the day with Dean Cruz. Oh, yeah. And they were older than me, and their businesses kind of blew up and didn't want to pay attention to the sale in New Orleans. So they said, look, hey, you take it, you run with it, you make it, whatever you want to make out of it. And I did that the first year of cruising the coast. And we sold the Imperial Palace collection there. And uh, I did it a couple years with uh, Dean Cruz. And then after that, I just felt like I needed to do it myself so I could control everything because I wanted to make sure everybody was treated right. And, you know, I I really believe that, you know, you really got to take care of your customers. And, And we just go the extra mile all the time to make sure. Everybody gets their titles. Everybody gets paid. Uh, I have never been sued by anybody. We just believe in taking care of business properly because, quite honestly, I told them in the very beginning, we're going to do this, we're going to do it right, or we're just not going to do it at all. I wear these all these different hats. You know, up until maybe a year ago, it, it was a seven-day-a-week job for me between all the businesses. Uh, no kidding. Yeah, I can't, I can't even imagine. Well, then all these years you've been doing this, the auction industry and the auction business has most definitely migrated. It's changed. It's altered. Uh, COVID changed some things for sure. And as a result, a lot of auctions uh, moved into the online fashion of, of buying and selling cars. If somebody can't attend your auction in person, can they bid on the phone? Can they go online? Have you introduced that option? Oh, yeah. We, we've sold cars to people in Germany, Australia, and just all over the world. We just ask them to pre-register the bid before the actual auction starts. Um, we also have a proxy bid working with us also. So we and we can handle if, if, let's say, somebody in Germany, like we did a customer there. He, you know, we took care of everything. We did the inspection for, his, for him. 
Um, we said to even additional pitches before it made the guy feel very comfortable with what he wanted to bid on. And then when it was all said and done, we delivered it to his door in Germany. And he's been very happy. It was a, that particular one was a Corvette, 64 Corvette, really nice car. Well, that's the way to do it, uh, most definitely. So you've been involved. Uh, your show has taken place along with this event called Cruising the Coast. Can you tell me a little bit about that? I'm not familiar with that event. You know, a lot of people have heard about it all over. Um, we, like this past year, we had people from London, and they came in with their cars. And we got uh, Puerto Rico comes almost every year. They, they, they come in with 20 cars. But anyway, it's, it's 27 years running now. I mean, it started a, the first year was just, um, you know, a little car show in a parking lot. And last year we had 9,630 something cars what? in the cruise that was registered. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Almost 9,700 cars. Wow. Now that was what was registered. There's t- probably twice that many on the uh, coast that are not registered, but. Whoa. It, it happens within about 35 miles of the Highway 90, which is right along the Biloxi Gulf Port, Bay St. Louis. It, it takes in about six towns there wow. along the coast. You know, we've been voted by USA Today the number one show almost four times in a row. Oh, my gosh. It's incredible. We've had studies done. The impact is, is over $30 million to the city in one week, and 260,000 people come for it. Oh, my gosh. So it's, wow. it's, it's, it's getting to a point where it's almost out of control. <laughs> yeah, that sounds wild. Wow, very, very cool. Well, tell me a little bit about the actual auction that you have. Typically, like coming up here, your ex- next auction is when? October 4th through the 7th. It's four days. Okay. And how many vehicles will you have across the block? We will have probably seven to eight hundred collectible items on Wednesday, and then Thursday, Friday, and Saturday we'll have about seven hundred cars. My goodness! So all total will be about fourteen hundred lots. Wow, this is huge. Yeah, and and it's it, it, the the event is just not you know it's a cruise. There's the huge swap meet which we put on there also in the. Uh, Coliseum and on the grounds. It's a huge swap meet. Um, they have the, we have the auction. They have burnout contests. They have flame throwing contests. Um, and we, you know, we have a lot of casinos here along the coast. It's also, we have the Beach Boys play. We, we always have different big bands playing and that, you know, that's what's the draw. Everybody comes because it's, you know, in October, the weather is absolutely gorgeous if we don't have a hurricane. Yeah, but we'll, we'll, we'll try to avoid that, that okay? Yeah. Right, right. But normally in October is the festival month down south here because the weather is just absolutely gorgeous. Sure, yeah. You know, right on the beach there. Definitely you know? would cool down, less humidity as uh, summer fades away. So sounds like a spectacular event. Is there a particular place that listeners can go to learn more about this and make plans to attend? Yeah, go to Cruising the Coast. Or go to Vacari Auctions. It's either either one, Cruising the Coast or Vacari Auctions. There you go. Awesome. Well, it's amazing to me that you have this construction business, real estate business. You had Dairy Queens. I mean, you're a guy that has his hands in a lot of things. The auction business, I mean, it's gotten huge. So 
I'm trying to figure out how do you manage all of this, especially when it comes up to this massive event that you're going, you must have a lot of people that help you. Yes, I do. I have good people and and nobody works for me. We all work together. I always say that. Just, you know, if I introduce one of my employees to somebody, I always say these people work with us because it's all, it's about a team effort. Always, always, you know, I've, I've tried to hire good people. And, and I don't micromanage people and everybody is a family to me. And, you know, it, it, it works good. I mean, um, I'm, I'm small enough. I'm big enough, but I'm small enough that every day I can sit and talk with people and see what's on the agenda and, and let them go for it. Take it and run with it. Sounds, sounds like a good old Southern hospitality to me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's been working. I've, you know, I've been blessed. I've been blessed, I'll say that. Well, a lot of work, for sure. You know, I like to ask guests about what has inspired them in their life. And when it comes to your auction business and cars, has there been somebody that's been highly influential or somebody in your life that was a great mentor for you that really helped you along? Well, yeah, I have two older sisters, and it was their boyfriends at the time in that I was a young kid and they were coming around, you know, to my house and picking up my sisters and they all had really bad cars. I mean, really <laughs> badass cars. I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, yeah. one of them, one of them had a 65, 426, four speed Hemi Belvedere. Whoa. I mean, brand new car. And, uh, the other one had, a um, a 67 L 79, uh, Chevy, you know, Nova, four speed, really nice black, black car. Um, so they kind of expire, you know, really just when I seen that as a young kid, you know, that and the also, I don't know if you were familiar, but they used to have a drag strip downhill called Southland Dragway. Okay. And it used to be the Gator Nationals. Well, my dad was very close friends with those people. And when they opened the strip, I was in the tower watching the races with, you know, Don Gallitz, you know, the snake, Don Prudhomme, you know, McEwing, all those guys, all the big names were there. And, you know, I mean, that just, just lit a fire under me about cars, you know. No doubt. Well, I've had those guys on this show. So uh, now you're part of the Cars Yeah alumni with some, some heavy hitter names. When I was a kid, I saw those guys race at uh, Orange County Raceway in Southern California. So, uh, yeah, they've been around forever and, and are still around in the car trade, which is really, really cool. When it comes to running the auction business, I would assume there's probably some things that you've gone through, challenges that have taught you some really valuable lessons with that world. Can you share maybe one that you, maybe you wish you hadn't gone through, but when you look back, you go, yeah, I'm kind of glad I had to deal with that. Uh, taught me some really valuable lessons. Well, I don't know if there's one particular thing because every auction is different every day. You know, I'm a kind of guy right in the middle of things. I don't sit back in an office and just push buttons. I'm right there on the floor. I'm right in the middle. If somebody has an issue, we take care of it right then and there, and it's over. Um, you know, I wish I could say, you know, there was something that was sticking in my mind, but I, I just I deal with it, anything and everything, you know, even in the contracting business. I mean, I guess that from being in that business, you know, everything's an issue every day. Yeah, you know, you got to learn how to adjust. You know, when you got hundreds of people working with you, you you've got to be, you know, I, I got to be available when because when somebody has a problem, you you have to nip it in the butt right then and there. And I, you know, I guess one thing I could tell somebody 
to to be successful, don't look at the failure. Look at the success and keep moving forward. Don't look back. Just learn from your experiences and keep going forward. You know. Yeah, well, the construction business, I was just having this conversation with a friend the other day, uh, looking at uh, some YouTube pages I follow, very high-end, very, very expensive homes. And we're talking anywhere from 20 to 80, $100 million type custom homes. And and I looked at all the details that you have to deal with. My father was an architect. He was also a contractor. And just all the things you have to focus on. But I think you hit the key word is you've got to find great people to be part of your team and then give them some direction and let them do their job. But it's all about finding the right helpers. Because I think we've all hired people to come and do things at our homes. And you either get really great people or you get people that are really a problem. And uh, usually it's a communication issue, right? Oh, yeah. That's, that's I was getting ready to say about communication. You know, in the construction world, and I don't want to get too far off a of course, but I'll just tell you this. In the construction world, you have, always have to try to interpret what was this architect thinking when he drew this. <laughs> so you, you've got to have communication because we've, and I, you know, I do all commercial work. And after doing a half a billion dollars worth of work, you, you've got you to look at as a team. Everybody, all the architects, the engineers, the constru- contractors, you can't be one in the, yourself. Because the drawings are not always correct. So you have to, you know, be able to adjust and figure it out and communicate with that architect or engineer or whoever you're working with, you know. Pete, you're going you're gonna to love this, Pete. Uh, my wife is an engineer, and she and my dad would always have these really fun discussions. And one day she said, well, you know, you architects, you guys work with rubber rulers. <laughs> And uh, that, of course, spurred a whole bunch of other conversations. But uh, yeah, that was always kind of become a joke in the family, his dad with the rubber rulers. and Because the creative side, right? And But you, they want things, they have a vision, but sometimes it's the engineers and the contractors that have to figure out how to build the darn things, right? Well, when CAD came in, oh, that was a disaster because some architects were not using CAD and the engineers were, and they were sending them the drawings and then the engineers trying to do it on CAD. And they would, you know, like a mechanical engineer, he had the ductwork going through a beam. It's like, really? <laughs> yeah, that won't work. <laughs> you know, you know that ain't going to work. Yeah, you know? yeah, no, it's so. fun. Well, let's get back to cars here. And I want you to share a special vehicle story. And, and a car that I've picked that I've learned about you is a particular 1966 Stingray that you had that you let go and then found again under about 10 feet of water. Do I have the story kind of right? Yeah, yeah. Tell yeah. me about this car. Well, what happened was when I graduated from from high school, I was going to college at Nichols State, and a friend of my dad's wanted to give me a graduation present, basically. he was It was a, a, a big Oldsmobile. I forgot the year right away. I think it was a 73 or 4 big Oldsmobile, four-door. And the wife didn't like it because it was just too big. It was just a land yacht, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. And... He wanted to give it to me. He, you know, my dad wouldn't let him do that because it was a brand new car. It had like 2,000 miles on it. She just wanted it gone. And anyway, the friend of my dad said, what you got in your pocket? And I think I had maybe $80. He said, give me that. That's you paying for it. <laughs> so I bought this car. So I bought this car for like 80 bucks to go to college. And on the first weekend coming back from college, there was a 66 Corvette on a used car lot. 
And I pulled in there and, uh, and I asked the guy, you know, he, I think he wanted $1,200 for it. And I said, okay, I'll trade you this car for that, this Oldsmobile for the Corvette. And he says, okay, we'll do that. So when I had my title with me, and then when I showed him my name, it, it was a friend of my dad's. And, you know, here I'm 17 years old. And, and he says, I can't do this deal. This deal's off. I said, why? He said, well, you, you Pete Carey's son? I said, yes. He said, your dad will come over here and destroy all my cars if I take this car from you and give you, <laughs> yeah, you know, he'll be a very upset. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I left there, went to my girlfriend's house, and I told my, my girlfriend's dad liked the car. And I said, well, you like it? And he says, yeah. I said, well, how much you give me for it? He said, I'll give you three grand for it. There you go. I said, okay, <laughs> done deal. So I took the 3000 I said, you got to give me a ride back to the SKUs car lot. Hurry up before somebody buys it. <laughs> so I went and bought the car that. And then I had it from 73 or three, 73 or 4 to about uh, 90, 90, around 80. No, I'm sorry. My oldest son uh, was born in 85. And I sold it. So I had it about 10 years. And I was the second owner of the car. Uh, it was L79, four speed. That's the small block 350 horse, uh, call that. Um, 327, two, right? Two tops. Yeah, two tops, uh, red car. And, nice. um, and sold it when my, maybe around 87 when I started, we started having kids. And that was the biggest mistake I did. <laughs> and years later, it was a rainy Sunday day, and my wife said, why don't you go clean your desk out? Because I had papers from cars that I had, and I ran across my pink slip, which had the VIN number on it. Oh, wow. And I, I immediately, the next morning, Monday morning, went to a title company and asked them if they could find this car. And it was still where it was at, and started digging the paperwork, and the guy that I sold it to still had it, but he had moved. But I got his new address and stayed in touch with him. And then when Katrina happened, the gentleman was the area manager for U-Haul. And where the U-Haul corporate office was is where the New Orleans East that went underwater for Katrina. Oh, goodness. And that's where he had the, yeah, that's where he had the car stored. Oh, no. Yeah, it had 12 foot of water. Oh, it was underwater. Jeez. Oh, no. But there's another story about that, and I'll get to it. But he said, look, if you give me, I'm told, the car's total. The insurance company's going to take it. But they said if there's a salvage value that they could take off of the insurance claim if I wanted to keep it. And I said, yeah. And he, he said it was like 20000 I said, I'll take it. I'll pay you for it. Don't let them take the car. So I, I went and got the car, gave him his money. And then I went and had it fully restored, frame off, took oh it all goodness. down. Wow! Just did, but but before I sent it off to have it framed off, restored. When I got the car from from him, and it, it I mean it's terrible, mold, mildew. I mean absolutely a mess. I told my son, I said, let's try to start it. He said, Dad, what do you mean? This thing went, you know, it was a submarine. So I said, yeah, uh, you know, it was a, it was a nice Saturday. I said, well, you know, let's just try it. So we immediately took the carburetor off. He was draining the oil. I took the carburetor apart, cleaned it all out, washed it, you know, got all the gunk out of it and all. He drained the oil. 
I filled, we, we put some fresh oil and I filled it up with Marvel Mystery Oil. And the motor wasn't frozen. So we, really? you know, moved it around. Wow. Yeah, it wasn't frozen. And it, and it had been, it probably was, what saved it, it was fresh water. And it was only about three weeks that after Katrina that I was able to get it. And we oh. drained it right away. Oh, okay. Yeah. But we got the motor ready to turn over. And I said, well, wait, before we do that, let's disconnect the gas line before we start turning this motor off. Because I don't want to suck in any water back into the carburetor. Right. So my son went to the tank and opened it up. And I was doing something under the hood. He said, Daddy, you need to come look at this. I said, what? What are you talking about? He said, no, you need to come look at this. He popped the tank open. And he looked at it. It was a half a tank of gas and no water. Oh, my. You're kidding. Yeah, because the cap. When you put on the cap, it's like it seals the cap. Yeah, so it was all just contained. The water never got through the carburetor, through the pump, the fuel pump, and back into the tank. Wow. It didn't get in. So we turned, we, you know, <laughs> fired it off, you know, pumped that gas out because it was old and um, put some fresh gas in. And I mean, within four or five hours of us starting on the car, we had it running. Oh my god! I mean, it was a submarine. That's incredible! You know? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. needless to say, you got it in your garage today, right? Oh yeah. yeah. It's not leaving. It's not I going mean, anywhere. I'll be giving it. Yeah, I'll give it to my grandson. There you go. What a great story! Wow, that's amazing. Well, I'm gonna crawl into your head a little bit here, Pete. Mm-hmm. It'd be an interesting ride if you were reincarnated, manifest as a vehicle. Now, this isn't what you want to be. This is how you perceive your idiosyncrasies as a car. What would you be? But more importantly, why? Well, the mid years, mid year Corvette. I'm a Corvette guy. Yep. I mean, I mean, mid year Corvette and you know, that's, that's, you know, some people like Plymouth, some of them like Ford, you know, I'm a Corvette guy, you know, you know, whether it be, you know, I have some pre-production prototype Corvettes, 63, mm-hmm. you know, close to my heart and mid-year Corvette. There you go. You got it in your blood. Do you like the new, uh, the new eights, the new Corvettes? Because I saw one today when I was driving, and every time I see one of those coming at me, at my first glance, I think I'm looking at a Ferrari. It's such a radical design change. It is, and and I tell you, GM knocked it out the park. When when you look at what you the sticker price, and I'm not talking about the inflated prices that they were getting, but if you look at the sticker price, yeah, it's amazing. You get a lot of car for your money. You do. Yeah, it's pretty cool. You get a lot of car. It's come mm-hmm. a long way, that car, for sure. So how about a great book? Is there a book that you could share with our listeners that you've really enjoyed? Well, the book, The Fern. The Fern. I've, you know, I've read it. Yeah, The Fern. The author, I, you know, I built a Walmart for him. Oh, really? He, uh, he used to be in the legislature in Mississippi, and he got into real estate. And uh, I built a bunch of Walmarts, and he had, he had owned one. John Grisham. John Grisham. Very good guy, great guy, and and when I when I was read the book and then I was seeing the movie, I, I didn't know him at the time. And then years later, uh, when we were building, getting ready to build this Walmart, because Walmart would handle all the bids and stuff. But then when you have pre-construct meetings, um, then you would meet the owners who's going to ultimately pay you. And when he walked in and gave me his card, I was like, wait a minute. Is this the John Grisham? John Grisham, the firm? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he said, yeah. I said, man, this one, that's the greatest book of it, you know, because I like stuff like that. 
Wow, that's pretty cool. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Well, let's go on an ultimate drive here. I'm a bit of an enabler, and I'm going to buy you any car in the world. You can take it anywhere you'd like, and you can take anybody with you, including somebody from the past that's no longer with us, which opens up a world of cool co-pilots. What does the ultimate drive look like for a guy like you that's probably been on many ultimate drives? Well, yeah, I've been on many. I mean, I've been in the great race many times. But the ultimate I would probably want to do is Zora Duntoff and one of the mid-year vets. In the, in the 63, you know, say a split window, fuel injector car. For sure. That would be pretty cool, right? Yeah. I mean, to really get into his head and see what they were really thinking about when they were building those cars. Amazing, amazing stuff. When you think about the legacy of the Corvette, very few cars have survived the amount of time when you think about it. The Corvette... The Mustang, which I think had some goofy years. Maybe you could say that about some of the Corvette years, but the Mustang's definitely. Uh, Porsche 911, that's another one that's kind of just been around for a long time and kind of hasn't changed. It has, but not really. So those legacy cars are pretty amazing. And if you could bring Zora back and say, look at what has happened, I think he'd have a big smile on his face. Yeah, and I'm kind of, you know, I've liked all in Corvettes. I mean, you know, I, I don't, you know, um, blame anybody for liking, you know, cause it, everybody likes different things and that's what makes everything, that's what makes the collective business, you know, as it is. But, um, I'm still sticking with Corvette. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I understand. Well, you've taken us on a really fun ride today and you've taught me a lot of things, which is really cool about your business and what you guys are going to be doing here in October. Before I let you go, could you maybe share some words of inspiration when it comes to the car world? Yeah. I mean, this is a great business. I mean, look, you make money when you buy the car, not when you sell it. So I just tell people, always be very informed what you're going to bid or buy. Um, don't, you know, don't go buy something on, on, a, on the internet and not see it or talk to the people or have it and, you know, inspect it. Cause you know, there's, there's a lot of good people and a lot of good dealers and a lot of good auctions out there, but there are a few that will scam people and be aware of what's going on. I've went off on wild goose chases and I've learned, you know, you just need to deal with reputable people that uh, been around for years and the one thing I can share with somebody is, is again, your investment will appreciate if you buy it right. Buy the right car because who knows? I mean, look, the, the whole in industry is changing as older people stop buying, younger guys start buying to collect. And, you know, the whole year shifts up, so to speak, instead of the 60s and 70s doing well. Now it's the 80s and 90s that are coming on. I'm seeing cars that uh, are selling for really, really strong money that uh, at least gentlemen of our our time period, you and I, uh, would just go, what? That's not collectible. They made so many of those cars. But it all goes back. Cars you and I wanted when we were a kid are the same thing for kids that were uh, kids in the 80s and 90s. And now they can afford to buy what they want. So I think it's great. It keeps the whole hobby going, makes things interesting. And uh, in many cases, I think for people, it makes them realize, you know what? That car could be collectible, too. I didn't think that it could be. How can people learn a lot more about Vacari Auctions and Cruising the Coast? Websites? Yeah, just go to Vacari, V-I-C-A-R-I, auction, Vacari Auctions, or either Cruising the Coast. There um, you go. And we're all, both of our sites connect to one another. So, oh, perfect. Um, and 
in cruising the coast, it's it's like eight days. So there's there's the whole list of events that's right there on the website that shows everything that happens day by day and the times of everything. There you go. Well, coming up here in October, sounds like a wonderful place to go. The south in the fall period, not too hot cooling down, but cruising the coast is going to heat up as well as Vicari Auction. So I'll put links to those on Peace show notes page. And I want to do a shout out. Thank you to uh, Sherry Arfons at McCullough PR. She's brought some great guests to the show. Sherry, thank you for introducing me to Pete. You brought another winner to the show. Pete, thanks for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and sharing your world with the Carjow listeners. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you in October at Vicari Auctions and Cruising the Coast. Yes, I'd like to just say it's a family event. So bring the kids. It's, you know, we we definitely want kids to come out and enjoy it with their parents. Sounds like fun. Most definitely. We'll see you there. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. 20, 50, or 100 years from now, will there be a workforce to care for the collector vehicles we love? With auto shop programs disappearing across the country, It's a question we enthusiasts have to ask. That's why I support the RPM Foundation, which exists to ensure that the critical skills necessary to preserve and restore these vehicles aren't lost to time. One of the many ways RPM, which is short for Restoration, Preservation, and Mentorship, is accomplishing this goal is through workforce development initiatives. The RPM Apprenticeship Program enables the next generation of artisans to earn a living while they learn the craft of restoring and preserving these vehicles directly from industry professionals. The Endangered Skills Program documents the process of masters training future craftspeople on a variety of critical skills in danger of being lost forever. For more information on how the RPM Foundation is driving the future of the collector vehicle skills trade, visit RPM Foundation today. They're one of the charities of choice here on Cars Yeah! Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah! Yeah!